Hey, BSN Denver listeners. We're really excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out today. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural. It's also not psychoactive, and the coffee is rich and tasty. We could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout to get your StravaCraft coffee for 20% off and shipped straight to your door. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumwood. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in LA. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. Welcome to a brand new BSN Nuggets podcast, Monday edition of the show. We are presented today, of course, by Total Beverage. Right now, Total Beverage has an exclusive deal for BSN listeners you guys can get $10 off a $50 purchase or more on their website and app by using the promo code BSN10. Again, if you use the promo code BSN10, BSN10, you can save $10 off a $50 order on the Total Beverage app or on their website. You can also have it delivered right to your door because Total Beverage is now delivering to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. Make sure to check those guys out. Total Beverage. Harrison Wynn and Christian Clark here on the BSN Nuggets podcast. A lot to get to today. We've got another win to talk about. The Nuggets 123-96 over the Clippers in a Sunday afternoon game at Pepsi Center. Denver coming out of the All-Star break. Guns a-blazing, just about as hot as they went into the All-Star break at. The first thing I'm going to touch on about this game, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, Christian, Another home win. The Nuggets have won 19 of their last 20 games at Pepsi Center. Every time I'm walking in there, I feel like I'm going to walk out with a win. Obviously, maybe things could change Tuesday against the Thunder in a highly anticipated matchup at Pepsi Center. But this team just has so much confidence at home right now. They play so much better at home. It's a classic theme. It's a classic talking point. In the NBA, younger players will always generally play better at home. Role players will usually play better at home. And that's certainly the case with the Nuggets. But really, this team just has so much confidence at home right now. I don't feel like they're intimidated by anybody, but they've just got an extra juice at home. I feel like the crowd has a lot to do with it. I just don't feel like, I guess I should say, whoever their opponent is at home, I feel like the Nuggets were going to be in that game. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know that little media game we do right before the game starts. We're all sitting at that round table and we just do a poll. Who do you think is going to win tonight? I can't remember the last time I picked against Denver at Pepsi Center just because of the simple fact they're playing at home and this team doesn't really lose at home. They've won 26 of 30 games at Pepsi Center this year. You know, I think a large part of this has to do with 
the crowds just just flocking back. I mean, the attendance numbers, the way they've climbed over the last two seasons are pretty staggering. As recently as 2016-17, when this run kind of started in my mind and Nikola Jokic took over as starting center, the Nuggets were 30th in attendance during that season. You know, we remember that that last home game or that game that, um, you know, meant Denver was out of the playoffs. Russell Westbrook had a 50-point triple-double, and the crowd was kind of rooting for him. Back in 2016-17, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like the, I mean, even the fans who did show up, they couldn't even figure out who to root for. Now, the the crowd is a huge advantage for this team. I mean, they're out for blood. It's pretty awesome to see. That was a very different crowd back in 2016-17. I would describe that crowd as NBA fans rather than Nuggets fans. Two years later, it's totally switched to where most of the people coming to Pepsi Center are Nuggets fans. They're not general NBA fans, which I feel like was the case back then. And in that game you're referring to when Westbrook hit the game winner for 50 points, set the triple-double record, and eliminated Denver from the playoffs all in one night. Uh, Now, these are Nuggets fans showing up at games. And despite the fact that Denver is a much, much better team than they were two years ago, and the fact that everybody on this roster has improved and they're playing much better on the road as well, but this team has always fed off of the crowd and the fact that there are much better crowds at Pepsi Center this year, and the Nuggets are 12th in attendance quietly, they've cre- crept up all the way from the bottom of the league in uh, that statistic. The fact that the Nuggets have had 19 sellouts this year, they had 14 all of last year. The Nuggets have always fed off their crowd's energy, and if you think back to a lot of those losses from last year, a lot of the bad losses to the Hawks, to the Kings... Uh, All those ones that happened at home to the Suns, the crowds were dead and the Nuggets came out dead. Obviously, it's not the crowd's responsibility to energize the team, but the Nuggets have always fed off their crowd. The fact that the fans are showing up this year and they're really loud and engaged, I feel like it's energized this team. Oh, yeah. That Hawks one sticks out in my mind like like a sore thumb. And it was in January. I mean, I don't know what the the real figure of people that were there, but it it just wasn't very much. It was just a lifeless atmosphere. And, you know, the Nuggets came out with an energy that kind of matched that. Um, Now, I mean, I think they've been competitive in in every home game. Have they? I don't think they've lost by double digits. I think the the handful of double digit losses have all come out on the road this year. Um, Nicole Jokic had a a great quote when he was asked about the crowd. I love it for real. The crowd, the fans, the people, they're like a sixth player in the court. I really enjoyed playing in front of these those fans. You could see a lot of good teams come here, popular teams, and our fans are louder than them, so I love it. I think Jokic is a, a guy in particular who, you know, he really feeds off of that energy and kind of gets up for the moment. The better quote came after that one. Asked if he has a message for Nuggets fans ahead of Tuesday's national TV matchup against the Thunder, he said, quote, come, even if they don't let you in, try to find a way to get in. <laughs> Oh man! Did you do you read that story on Deadspin a, a couple years ago about this kid's hobby growing up was just sneaking into sporting events? Who Jokic's? No, no, oh. it was just like a random guy. <laughs> no, yeah, um, I, I guess you could get away with that in like the eighties and the nineties. No, we don't condone it though. We don't condone trying to sneak into Pep Center. Let's buy a ticket. I can assure you, it's going to be a good game because when was the last Nuggets Thunder game that wasn't competitive? Oh, they've twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
there were a lot of moments last night, and speaking about Sunday afternoon, I guess, where the crowd was really loud. I'm not sure if any of them beat when Mason Plumley banked in that three-pointer. I feel like the loudest the crowd has been this year. For Mason Plumley banked in three, here are the contenders. Mason Plumley three, Isaiah Thomas three, Nick Young three, the possibility and then the result of a player missing two free throws, an opposing player missing two free throws, which means everybody in the crowd gets free Chick-fil-A. Um, Von Miller on the Jumbotron. Von Miller trying to make a backwards half-court shot. Rocky making a ha- backwards half-court shot. Um, Tom Brady on the Jumbotron and everybody booing. I don't know. Which one do you think is the loudest? Ooh, probably the first Mason Plumley three, man. I'm going to go with Tom Brady. Yeah, you might be right, actually. <laughs> that still still stirs up a lot of anger. That The first Mason Plumley three against Utah was crazy. His, his celebration was so funny after that one. It looked like after this one, he didn't really know how to celebrate. Like, he, he kind of did like a, a half celebration almost, but he was still, I mean, really fired up, obviously. That was a hilarious play. He's making so many threes now, and I'm being a little facetious here, but... He's got to have a go-to celebration lined up, ready to go. You know, I'm a big fan of players having their patented three-point celebrations when they hit threes. You know how much I love the Blue Arrow. Mason Plumlee's got to have something now that he's hit two threes. The best three-point celebrations in the league this year are both come from the Lopez brothers, by the way. One of them does the, the smoke the cigarette and then put it out with your foot, and the other one does the dip the tea bag and drink the tea. Yeah. I'm throwing this out there. I'm not sure if Mason is going to listen to this uh, episode of the podcast, but he has been a guest on the BSN Nuggets podcast before. You never know. I'm going to suggest that Mason Plumlee's three-point celebration should be like making it rain. How do you how do you make it rain? Like with your fingers? Yeah. Oh, I see what you mean. Like money-wise making yeah, it rain. Yeah, money-wise okay. making it rain. I don't know how to describe that. But I, th- I think you meant like pretend like it was actually raining with like your fingertips or something. I see. No, I no, see no. what you're saying. Yeah, making it rain like... Ooh, I like that. Like you're throwing money at the club. Was, wasn't he in some YouTube video where he had one of those guns that was like shooting fake $100 bills or something? Yes, yes. Um, thank you for lining up my point. Because of that... And also because, I mean, we know Mason Plumley is well experienced in the venture capitalist world. He's throwing <laughs> money at a lot of medical technology companies right now across the world. So I feel like this lines up with him well. Well, yeah, I'm also a huge fan of whenever the celebrations fit in with the nickname. And that goes perfectly with the Plum Dog Millionaire nickname. That's yeah. why, you know, I think the whole Jamal Murray thing works so well. When the celebration matches the nickname, then. You know, it's just another part of it. it I feel like I'm onto something here. I feel like I'm onto something. All right, you got to bring this <laughs> up to him next time we see him. Okay. I wanted to get into this here at the top before we go into our first break because it was probably the biggest takeaway, I thought, from this Nuggets win. Paul Millsap's post-All-Star break surge is continuing. I feel like he's looked refreshed in these first couple of games out of the break. I feel like that week off probably did him really well. He's got a little pep to his step. He's had a couple nice dunks here, although he he didn't have a missed dunk at the rim uh, on Sunday. I just feel like he's looked a little more energized uh, coming out of the break, particularly over these last couple of games. Oh, there's no question about it. Um, The last play that that Paul Millsap made before he was subbed off and some of those other guys filtered on for garbage time, 
Well, I mean, just just watch the way he was able to get into the passing lane on that one. Um, it was in the fourth quarter with with about five minutes to go. He covered so much ground to intercept that pass, dunked it, put Denver ahead by fourteen. He came out of the game. I mean, I I think you know when Paul Millsap was coming off of that that right toe injury and was dealing with that ankle soreness, that wasn't a play that he was making at all. I mean, maybe you saw that from him at the the beginning part of the season when I think he did look pretty spry, but. Yeah, Paul Millsap, you know, he, he kind of lacked that pep in his step when he came back from that that broken right toe injury. I think that slowed him down a little bit. That looked like, you know, Paul Millsap from, from five years ago. That looked like four-time All-Star Atlanta Hawks Paul Millsap. Michael Mullen joked after the game that Paul Millsap found the fountain of youth or something while he was on an All-Star break. You put these numbers out after the game. Paul Millsap's last three games... 21.16 rebounds, 17 points, 13 rebounds, 25 points, 13 rebounds. The Nuggets are a plus 49 with him on the floor. I mean, over these last three games, he's had the type of impact I feel like he had at the beginning of the year. And if you think back to the first month, month and a half of the season, he was pretty good on offense, but he, he was a real standout performer defensively. And I feel like he kind of dropped off a little over the course of the season. Maybe it was the injuries. Maybe it was just the wear and tear of the regular season. But he's definitely had a little bit of a resurgence here over the last couple of games. Defensively, does this look like the Paul Millsap that we saw at the beginning of the year? Or maybe even if he's not quite at that level still, does this still look like a Paul Millsap on the defensive end of the floor that's close to that player who he was at the beginning of the year? Yeah, this looks like much more like we saw the, the first quarter of the season when the Nuggets were hanging out in the top five in defensive efficiency. When Paul Millsap broke his toe December 7th, the Nuggets were allowing 104.4 points per 100 possessions. That was fifth in the league. Um, we know that, that you know shortly after that, their slide started. They slid out of the top 10 entirely. Uh, when I checked like last night, they were 10th, so I guess they've made it back in there. But yeah, yeah Millsap's absence and Gary Harris's absence – you know, I think we're really the the primary factors why that slide occurred. And that was maybe the number one thing that I was going to be monitoring coming out of the All-Star break. Can, mm-hmm. can Denver regain some of that edge and focus they were playing with defensively at the beginning of the year? Yeah, Gary obviously des- deserves a lot of credit, I think, for Denver having some pretty solid just defensive performances all across the board, particularly over these last two games, uh, holding the Clippers to 96 points and the Mavs to 104. I feel like two solid defensive performances. Here's a stat for you. Over the last three games, the Nuggets have allowed only 92 points per 100 possessions with Paul Millsap on the floor. Uh, When he's off the floor, 100.9. So still a really solid number, but 92 points per 100 possessions allowed with Millsap on the floor over these last three games. So going back to Denver's last game before the break. Yeah, that that's that's really stingy. Um, he had three steals in this game, two blocks. He was just everywhere, flying around. Um, and as far as Gary Harris goes, I, I like that clip you you had of him from the Mavericks game of of fighting over multiple screens and contesting that shot. I think Gary's probably the best guy they have in the roster at, at just fighting through contact and sticking with his man. I think a lot of the other guys in this roster could could watch him and learn something from him there. And that play that he made in the third quarter where he just tipped the pass up and then tipped it towards Monte Morris. I mean, to me, it was, 
I guess Mason Plumlee's three gets the play of the game. But <laughs> number two was Does either it? Millsaps or or Harris's tip. I have another couple contenders for play of the game. How about the Jamal Murray Nicole Jokic pick and roll from about seven feet away from the basket? Do you remember that one? It was pretty oh, much yeah. in the restricted area of pick and roll between those two. Or what about Nicole Jokic's over the head no look pass? That ended in a Paul Millsap three. Two other contenders right there. <laughs> I, I love that pick and roll from like six feet away from the yeah. basket because Jokic was in such a rhythm in the first quarter and they were doing a really good job of finding him. You could almost tell everybody on the team was like, all right, we just got to feed Jokic by any means necessary right now, even if like there's no space. <laughs> Getting back to Millsap real quick. The Nuggets need this from Paul Millsap right now, especially at the power forward position. And our friend Nick Cosmider at The Athletic has been all over this, so I want to give him some credit. But with Trey Lyles out, and it seems like he's going to be out for a couple weeks, you know, hamstring injury, those are tough to get back from. And with how Trey Lyles has been playing this year, I don't think Denver's really chomping at the bit to get him back in the rotation here. The Nuggets are all of a sudden a little thin at power forward, which is crazy to say considering they had 12 power forwards <laughs> on their roster last year. Oh, we here? But... After Paul Millsap, I mean, last night it was Wancho getting the backup power forward minutes, and we'll get to him later in the show. We've got a question from the Total Beverage Fan Hotline on Wancho. He's been lifeless here over the last few months and borderline unplayable. So the Nuggets, with Lyles out, and obviously Plumlee's been playing a little bit alongside Nikola Jokic and giving the Nuggets good minutes there as he has for the entire season, but Denver really needs Paul Millsap to take on a big load right now and log 30 to 35 minutes a night, which is probably as much as you want him playing. I think a good number for Millsap is usually around 30, and they need him to produce on both ends of the floor. They need him to score, and they need him to help anchor their defense, and he's really been doing both those things. So I just get the sense that this is kind of what Denver has been needing from Paul Millsap here, especially with how surprisingly thin they are all of a sudden in the front court. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. I mean, I guess in a pinch you can go with Wancho or, or you can go with Torrey Craig and just go super small. Um, also, you know, expect a lot of Nikola Jokic, Mason Plumlee um, until Trey Lyles gets back. Um, that's developed into a really good combination. I mean, Mason Plumlee has done a phenomenal job of playing next to Jokic. I, I believe the the numbers in that two-man pairing has, has been just as dominant as, as Jokic and Millsap are, are thereabouts. So, yeah, those are, those are two really good combos for Denver. The Nuggets are 58-28 and 28 with Paul Millsap in the lineup over the last two seasons. They're 29-26 and 26 when he's been injured or he's been sitting out. I mean, I think that stat right there tells you that he was worth this contract. And there's been a lot made about the three-year, $90 million contract the Nuggets handed out to Paul Millsap. There's a team option, of course, on the deal next year for $30 million that I would be surprised if the Nuggets picked up. So really, it's a two-year, $60 million contract. And the production has been there on the floor when just looking at you know those numbers I just laid out, even if the individual numbers for Millsap haven't been there. The fact that they're 58 and 28 when he's been in the lineup, I think speaks volumes. And the fact that they're pretty much a 500 team when he's been out of the lineup, that, that says it right there. But I mean, even what he's done, the locker room, the voice he's been behind the scenes, that I just think makes the case uh, along with those 
numbers I just said that he's been worth every bit of this contract. Yeah, I mean, we've both been around this team for the last two seasons. I, I feel pretty confident speaking on what Millsap has, has been able to provide from a leadership and tangible standpoint, just setting a good example. I mean, I think this guy has been invaluable for this team. I, I think last year, Paul Millsap really helped Nikola Jokic understand that he can be one of the best players in the entire league. Like, Paul Millsap w- was saying that publicly. You know, he was saying when he came back from that injury that, hey, this is Nikola Jokic's team. I'm just here to help. I think that was huge for Jokic, to be honest, because in the beginning of the year, Jokic was like, oh, Paul Millsap, he's a four-time All-Star. This is his team. Um, you know, Millsap's unselfishness has been has been so big for this team. And think about what Millsap has been able to do for, for guys like Malik Beasley, too, yep. and some of the younger guys. Just, just showing those guys, like, how to be pros. I mean, what's the right way to talk to the media? What's the right way to, to go about getting in your work? I think one of the first things Paul Millsap did when he signed with the Nuggets was have all those guys down to Atlanta to sure. work at his own practice facility, you know, kind of fostering that that camaraderie. So a lot of what the Nuggets were paying for because they didn't have to pay their young guys yet was we want to bring this guy in to help establish a culture. And I think in that department, Millsap gets an A+. Definitely. And you don't sign Paul Millsap as a free agent only for what he does on the court. A big reason why he's been coveted before and why Denver has coveted him for the last couple years, partly because of what he does on the court. And he's helped transform Nuggets into a top 10 defense this year. But really a large part of why you sign him and bring a guy like him in is because of his contributions off the court. And we've seen that up close and personal on a firsthand basis over the last couple of years. We've got a lot of awesome content on bsndenver.com right now from this game on Sunday. We'll have some really cool content coming later this week on Isaiah Thomas on this matchup and showdown, Northwest Division showdown with the Thunder Tuesday night. If you guys are still holding out on a BSN Denver subscription, this is a great time to get on board. Uh, For a limited time, not sure how long this deal is going to last, but you guys can actually get a one-year subscription to BSN Denver for $29.99. That's a few bucks off the yearly price or the normal yearly price, which is $35.99. And $29.99, it comes out to around $2.50 a month, uh, less than a cup of coffee. So you can get access to all this great Nuggets content, also great Avalanche content, Rockies content, Broncos content as well. Read everything you can possibly read on Joe Flacco. And better yet, if you guys sign up right now with the promo code Nuggets, and that's the code you need to get this deal for $29.99, there's a chance you could win a free t-shirt from the BSN Denver Locker. Because if enough of you guys sign up, if more of you guys sign up with that Nuggets promo code than Avalanche fans do, than Rockies fans do, than Broncos fans do with their respective promo code, all of you will get a free t-shirt from the BSN Denver Locker. We've got a lot of awesome shirts on there right now, a Nicole Jokic shirt, a Rainbow Skyline shirt, Rocky shirts, Avalanche shirts, Broncos shirts as well. If enough of you guys sign up, if more of you guys sign up, then like I said, Rockies, Broncos, Avalanche fans, all of you will get free t-shirts. So get on this offer quickly before it expires and maybe you can get a free t-shirt, maybe not, but you can definitely read some of the content we've got on the Nuggets side right now. And like I said, a lot of great content coming later this week. All right, I want to get to Gary Harris and the impact he's had since he's come back from injury, how long we expect him to come off the bench, and also a couple notes on Jamal Murray. First, though, a quick note from Get Around. If you guys are ever in need of a car, truck, or vehicle for a few hours or a few days, 
GetAround is at your service. If you're not familiar with GetAround, it's a new car sharing app. You can literally unlock cars near you through their app. And better yet, if you have a car that's just sitting around, make some extra money for your next vacation. GetAround's insurance policy and 24-7 customer service has you covered. So go to get.co backslash nuggets to save $15 off your first rental. Or you can visit get.co backslash BSN to sign up for free to rent your car out and start making some money fast. So make sure to check those guys out at Get Around. Gary Harris's impact in the last two games, I feel like it's been a big storyline. He's looked really good in these last couple of games on both ends of the floor, offensively, defensively. I mean, does he look like he's close to getting back to his pre-injury self to you? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it was a, a really wise decision to let Gary rest all the way through the all-star break. I mean, I think they probably could have brought him back, you know, maybe against Miami, maybe against Sacramento in a pinch, but it was great just to, you know, let him stay off his feet there for a couple of weeks. I thought it was interesting that Mike Willen has said a couple times now, you know, all those injuries for, for Gary were almost as taxing mentally as mm-hmm. they were physically. I mean, it, it was just different injury after different injury for him. He had the adductor thing, which sidelined him for seven games, um, an ankle issue. It, it's been a couple of them. And I think that took a mental toll on, on Gary in some ways. That was really hard for him, um, knowing that he put in the work, get back out there, and something else w- would crop up. You know, I, I think he wasn't 100% there for a while, and he looks really close to 100% to me right now, just the way he's moving on the floor. Um, I talked about that that tip past Amante Morris where he got the deflection and then just batted it to him. Um, he, he did like a Euro step in the Mavericks game where I was like, oh, that looks like old Gary. So the way he's moving on the floor, it, it reminds me of Gary Harris from the beginning of the season. Yeah, I agree. It was a good move to shut him down there before the All-Star break because even when he came back from that hamstring issue and before uh, the adductor, <laughs> he's had so many injuries, I couldn't remember what his most recent one is, but before the adductor injury really cropped up and held him out before the break, he didn't look 100%. Like I said, even when he came back from that hamstring for those few games. So I felt like it was good to sit him down. and He looks... Very close to 100%, if not 100% right now. The shot looks good. It doesn't really seem like he's has the injury in the back of his mind at all. It seems like he's trusting his body here. I mean, it's going to be big to get a healthy Gary Harris in the lineup for the stretch run. Defensively, you mentioned that clip I posted a couple of days ago just about how he moves on the defensive end of the floor. The difference between him and a guy like Malik Beasley on the defensive end, who I think Malik has a chance of becoming a really good defender in this league, but you can just really tell the difference between those two guys and, and how they play defense. Gary doesn't have to think about where he's moving on the defensive end of the floor, how to navigate a screen. He's already seen every action in the league. He can already see what's coming. He knows how to move around screens and whatnot and anticipate stuff. He's never thinking. He doesn't have to think about what he's going to do next on the defensive end of the floor. You can tell Malik has to think through every single movement uh, on defense, and that's probably where he's really got to grow as a defender. Gary just knows how to do everything. You know, He doesn't have to think. He can just go and do it, and that's one of his biggest strengths. Really good hands. He's always been a big steals guy, and we've seen that over the last couple of games. But I expect him to have a huge impact down the stretch. He's 
been coming off the bench these last couple of games, and it's not been a surprise. This is how the Nuggets have handled their guys coming back from injuries before, bringing them off the bench, ramping up their minutes slowly. How long do you anticipate Gary coming off the bench for, and do you think that he returns to the starting lineup at some point before the end of the season? Oh, definitely before the end of the season, but um, it, it does sound like Michael Malone w- wants to slow play this thing, wants to be really cautious with it. I mean, Malik Beasley uh, has just crushed it as a starter on the offensive end especially, so I think that makes Michael Malone's decision quite a bit easier that Malik Beasley, I mean, is just going to go out there and make half his threes the way he's going right <laughs> now. Um, but I don't know. Um, maybe like New Orleans, the last game of his homestand, um, something like that. But definitely bef- before the end of the season, um, you know, Malone said last night, Gary Harris is, is still our starting shooting guard. He's got that mm-hmm. on lock. But I think it, some of it, too, just has to do with uh, the way he wants to, to rejig his rotations. Um, I think he, he wants um, Gary playing with Isaiah Thomas sometimes, too. Uh, a lot of the times Gary Harris is guarding small forwards in those lineups. They do do some switching. But, yeah, um, I mean – to have Gary coming off the bench with, with IT and Monte, there's there's some serious firepower. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I think I would agree with it. I believe that, and we'll get into this uh, in a few minutes, I want to do like a quick three-game reset on what we thought of Isaiah Thomas's time in a Nuggets uniform so far. But I do think Michael Malone wants to surround Isaiah Thomas with good defenders. Gary Harris is one of those guys. So I'll be curious to see if he still is playing a lot with the second unit once he becomes a starter. You know, speaking about Gary Harris, of course. Um, it does seem like Mike Malone wants to slow play this thing and just really ensure and do everything in his power to have Gary Harris healthy for the stretch run and, of course, the playoffs. He's around. He's on a 20-minute-ish restriction right now. That's what he's played in these first couple of games back I expect that to stick for a few more games and then you know, generally get that ramped up. And look, the Nuggets are winning right now. And we've spoken about this so many times. When a team's winning, a coaching staff doesn't really feel like they're in a hurry to change things up much. And like you said, Malik has been so solid as a starter this year. He's posting huge numbers as a part of the starting lineup. And I wouldn't expect things to change here maybe over the next week or so, but yeah, maybe in a week's time, maybe in two weeks' time, we see Gary get back into the starting lineup. Well, what are just your early impressions of, of those IT, Monte Morris, Gary Harris lineups, those three-guard lineups that we saw at Sacramento and Dallas and this last game? Or I guess we didn't see it against Sacramento, but... I like them. It's a good combo. I didn't really know how Monte and Isaiah Thomas would look together in the backcourt, but it seems like that's definitely the combination the Nuggets are going to roll with. I feel like they've looked pretty good. They haven't been necessarily killed defensively. I don't think they've held their own there. And offensively, it's really beautiful basketball at times when those two are on the floor together. I mean, to have two guys you can play pick and roll on the floor at the same time, two guys that can penetrate, two guys that can score and also set their teammates up, I think it's going to be really good offensively. What are your thoughts? Um. You know, I, I still want to see a, some more uh, on the defensive end. Um, I, I still think it's going to be tough for them, but even if it is, then I'm, I'm completely fine with the Nuggets continuing to roll it out because I think they're going to be so dynamic offensively. 
it's not going to matter. And like Mullen said yesterday, like a lot has been made uh, about us going really small. Don't overthink it. Like we're just playing our best basketball players. And that is a good way of thinking about it. Like the Nuggets are, are just going to be best off playing their best players, even if even if they are a little bit undersized, I think, than, you know, trying to shoehorn size into there. Mm-hmm. I want to talk some more about IT in a little bit here, but I just want to wrap up with some final thoughts from this game. Nikola Jokic had a big night, 22-16, three assists, three steals. He did have six turnovers, but I felt like this was a decent game from him. Still, I don't even feel like Nikola Jokic was really engaged in this game at all. Mentally, he was arguing with the refs a lot. He just didn't really seem focused and still put up a 22-16 and 16 line. I mean, this is what he can do when he's not even at his best. And I guess going back to the point we made at the beginning of the show, how the Nuggets have just been rolling at home. I mean, a 27-point victory, and it doesn't really feel like anybody on this roster outside of Paul Millsap had a real standout performance to me at least. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jokic was just coasting in this game. He looked really agitated. I was I was frankly surprised that he didn't get teed up in this game. Yeah. Like, I was waiting for it to come, and, and I can understand some of Jokic's frustration. I think the officiating in the second quarter in particular was terrible. Like, they made it, they turned it into a real choppy game. There were 44 combined free throws at, at halftime in this one. Each, each team shot 22 apiece in the first half, so... The officials made this one unnecessarily choppy in the second quarter. I thought the Nuggets looked really good offensively in the first quarter. They're in some rhythm, and this game just fell out of a rhythm because of the officiating in the second quarter. But, yeah, Jokic was really frustrated. I mean, this is just what he does now. I mean, he just coasts to 22-16. It's crazy. What have you thought about Jamal Murray's performance here over the last couple of games? He had a decent night uh, or decent game, I thought, against uh, the Clippers. 16 points, 6-12 shooting, hit a couple threes. Didn't have a big performance in the Nuggets' first game back from the break against the Mavericks. And his offense has been pretty inconsistent here over the last couple weeks. Defensively is where I've really been impressed with Murray, particularly going back to that Dallas game. And at times in this Clippers game, I just have felt like he's upped his level of hustle over these last couple games, particularly in that Dallas game. He's been getting on the floor a lot, taking charges, diving for loose balls. I don't know. I'm just sensing a a little bit more of a push on his part to be a factor on the defensive end of the floor. Yeah, I mean, he was excellent defensively uh, against Dallas, just flying around all over the place. And I wish I would see this a little bit more from him on on the defensive end because, you know, he carries a pretty big load for, for Denver offensively, but... It's not like they're playing through him every single possession like he's Nikola Jokic, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think he he could be capable of bringing this type of intensity and focus on the defensive end a little bit more consistently because we see it in flashes. I, I saw it in that, that Minnesota game earlier this season. Um, you know, I think on the whole, Jamal's probably a, you know been a below-average defender this year, but I think, he, I think he, you know there's enough there where he could at least be average. Um, I mean, yeah, he's been really good on that end. It's not hard to be an average defender, you know? If you just try, you can be an average defender usually. The level of effort he's given in these last couple of games has been like at an all-time high, I think. It crosses running a Nuggets uniform. The thing about Murray, and this is becoming more and more apparent every game, he might have 
the most ability on the Nuggets roster to swing a game. And I mean, if Jamal Murray is hot, if Jamal Murray is red hot and is making everything in sight for a five or ten minute stretch or a quarter, Nuggets are probably winning that game. I just feel like he can alter a win or a loss or he can just raise his team to a level of play if he's on that I'm not sure anybody else on this Nuggets roster can. Would you say that's a fair assessment? Oh, there's there's no question about it. I mean, Zach Lowe in a column earlier this year called Jamal Murray the most important swing player in the NBA. Yeah. Um, if, if you just look at the numbers when Jamal goes for 20 or more uh, or 19 or less, they're pretty staggering. Um, I think definitely. Um, you know, Jokic, he's, he's you know pretty close to, to his ceiling, I would say, or he's gotten a lot closer to it this year. Like, we know what, what he's going to be. He's going to be a top 10 player in the NBA for the next couple of seasons. Jamal Murray, you know, could be a, a guy who develops into competing for an all-star spot every year or not. So I would definitely say that he's the most important swing player in this roster. One of the more fun parts of a Nuggets game is a potential Jamal Murray eight-point run. You know, a potential Jamal Murray run where he scores 12 of Nuggets 16 or 18 points. Those have happened a lot this season. It's one of the more fun things you can watch around this team. Yeah, and I'm kind of wondering, um, you know, when when is, like, the right time to decide, like, yeah, this guy is just an inconsistent player. I still think it's too early. Um, Jamal just turned 22 the other day. But, you know, if he has this, these crazy swings again next year, I think then that's when maybe I'll go, like, you know, maybe this is just who he is. He's just this really up-and-down player. But I still think he's too young to do that. Yeah, he's 22. This is his second full season as a point guard, correct? Yep. Um, yeah, I'm not willing to make that judgment yet. I think I'm going to wait a couple more years. I'd say two more years so until we really probably know if Jamal Murray can be a, a consistent guy game to game, give you a 20-plus every night. Yeah, and I guess with point guards, too, I mean, sometimes it really just does take a while. Like, look at D'Angelo Russell. I mean, yeah. it, as recently as last year, that guy was kind of a mess. I mean, there were impressive flashes, but, you know, he didn't have any sustained consistency, you know, like this year or anything up to this point. Mm -hmm. um, and, and he's in his fourth NBA season, which Jamal will be in next year, too. All right, let's move on here from this game. And again, just wrapping up, this was a big-time Nuggets win, an easy win, a walk in the park for Denver over a Clippers team who's contending for the playoffs this year. And a Clippers team that's given the Nuggets a little bit of trouble over the past. They've got some players like Lou Williams and uh, Montrez Harrell, that's the name I was thinking of, who have given Denver some issues in the past. But this was an easy win for Denver Daniel Gallinari had 19. Lou Williams had 24 off the bench. But Montrezl Harrell didn't really have the type of impact that he's had usually against Denver. So good job from a Nuggets perspective, keeping those guys in check. I want to move on here and talk about Isaiah Thomas's three-game run in a Nuggets uniform, what he's done well, where he's kind of struggled. First, though, a quick word from Strava Craft Coffee. Strava Craft Coffee is a game-changing coffee. If you're not familiar with them, it's a CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. These guys' reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. 
It has helped to decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is also rich and tasty. We could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019, BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. If you had to give Isaiah Thomas a grade for his first three games in a Nuggets uniform, factoring in him missing 11 months, uh, factoring in the limited playing time he's had, he's played around you know 15 to 20 minutes in each of these three games. How would you assess his performance here over these past three? Ooh, we're grading after three games. Uh, probably an A minus. That's exactly what I was going to give him. Yeah, he he's looked better than I thought. Like I I just got to be honest. Look, I I was pretty, I would say pessimistic uh, about it it contributing a whole lot and. You know, I, I said that just because the guys missed 11 months. I mean, I, I watched Paul Millsap take a long time to get going after missing three, three and a half months last year. I thought it would kind of be a, a similar thing. Um, IT, I think, has a lot more juice uh, than, than Paul Millsap when he came back from his absence last year. He's looked really good, and I'm, I'm happy to eat crow about this. Yeah, he did play 24 minutes against the Clippers, so I should correct that last statement. Probably the last few of those minutes were in garbage time there, but generally he's playing like 15 to 20 minutes right now. He's averaging 11 points, just under 40% shooting from the field, 35% shooting from three, about three assists per game, a little over two turnovers per game in these three games. He went for eight points. In his debut against the Kings, hit two of five threes, went for 16 points in 16 minutes, hit four threes against Dallas, and then most recently, his worst shooting game so far, three of 11 from the field, 10 points, 0 of five from three, had four turnovers, two against the Clippers. He was better against the Kings and the Mavericks than he was in this game against the Clippers, I thought. Where has he really stood out to you? Uh, in my opinion, the biggest takeaway probably from these first three games of the Isaiah Thomas experience is that the IT Mason Plumley pick and roll is going to be a big part of the Nuggets' second unit. And going back to his Boston days, even last year, he was still fairly good out of the pick and roll, and it's really one of his best actions. Uh, he, I think, had the most dribble handoffs in the league and like the eighth most attempts the eighth most possessions in the pick and roll going back to his uh, 2017 season in Boston. And so it's an action he likes. It's an action he's really good with. And I think my biggest takeaway is that the Isaiah Thomas Mason Plumlee pick and roll is going to be a highly used action on the second unit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's been dynamic attacking out of the pick and roll. I mean, you know, Isaiah obviously has this reputation as a bucket getter. He averaged 29 points per game two seasons ago on his way to finishing fifth in MVP voting. He's a good passer, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a really creative, smart passer out of the pick and roll. Um, you know, the pairing with, with Monte Morris, um, you know, at times maybe you'd want to see Monte have the ball in his hands, but mostly I think it's worked out really well so far. So, yeah, I mean... He, He's, he's going to put a lot of pressure on defenses, uh, especially just as a coming off the bench for this team. Um, I mean, he, yeah, he, he's a problem in the pick and roll. And Mason Plumlee is a great rim runner, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he just makes guards look better, too, with his ability to, to go up and get it. 
um, up top. And he can also corral a lot of lobs that a lot of other big men probably wouldn't be able to catch. He's just so athletic. He's probably one of the more athletic centers in the league that you really don't think about as being athletic. Uh, but yeah, Isaiah Thomas and him have been a nice pairing there in the pick and roll. Plus, Isaiah Thomas, he can get his own offense out of the pick and roll. He's had a couple nice drives already, particularly when going to his left. He's shown off that pull-up jumper out of the high pick and roll that he's had really throughout his whole career. And the other thing I've noticed while going back and watching how he just looked in these three games, when he's got the ball, he's got a ton of gravity for somebody who missed the last 11 months. He is so highly respected around the league. We've seen it in the Nuggets locker room, how much a lot of these young guys look up to him. But even around the league, when he's got the ball at the top of the key, you can sense and you can see a lot of defenders on the opposing team inch off their man just a bit, maybe take a couple more steps than they normally would. You know, if it was anybody else dribbling the ball at the top of the key towards Isaiah Thomas. And I'll tell you, it's kind of led to Denver just opening up a lot of easy looks when he's been on the floor. IT is just an all-time character, man. I mean, I was talking to him after that Dallas game, and uh, you know, I was saying. Paul said he was a little bit jealous that you already have this much juice and you missed this much time. And he's like, I'm not in a rhythm. When I'm in a rhythm, the rest of the world will know. Mm -hmm. Like, it feels like every quote he gives is just this epic quote. I mean, just might have the most self-belief of any player in the NBA. I mean, that dude really, really believes in himself. Mm -hmm. I generally think he's looked fairly good here over these three games. Like you said a few minutes ago, probably about as good as you could expect him to look. Uh, the three-guard lineup that he's played a lot of minutes with, the Isaiah Thomas, Monte Morris, Gary Harris trio, a 102.3 defensive rating when those three have been on the floor here uh, in two games. They've played 32 minutes together, a 102.3 uh, defensive rating. So quality minutes there uh, that those three have given them. And I think most importantly, the Nuggets aren't getting killed defensively when Isaiah Thomas has been on the floor here um, as of late. So I think that's pretty uh, a good sign going forward, I would say. It's funny, Mike Mullen has made this point a couple times, but a lot of times when the opposing team is trying to go at the Nuggets and Isaiah Thomas is on the floor, they'll go out of their normal offense and try to post him up or whatever. And it seems like the Nuggets are going to be happy to play that game. Uh, against the Mavs, Justin Jackson tried to go at Isaiah Thomas. The Mavs are really force feeding him, and Justin Jackson goes 0 of 7. Yeah, that was hilarious. And <laughs> it was kind of funny. It was pretty funny. I mean, I, I guess it's really tempting to to want to do that because Isaiah Thomas, like, that's literally like me out there, stature wise. Like, that is a, a small dude, mm-hmm. but you can't get sucked into it. I, I think you just have to play your offense. And, you know, if it happens, like, if there's a duck in and, and your guy really has an advantage, then yeah, go to it against IT. But you just have to keep playing your offense and, and be patient that a breakdown occurs. Honestly, I was kind of surprised that Rick Carlisle got sucked into that a little bit. I feel like IT's three-point shooting has been pretty uh, pretty encouraging, I would say. He's like 35% from three in these three games. Hit four against Dallas the other night. Went two of five in his debut. Went four or seven against Dallas. Went 0 of five against the Clippers. But it seems like his shot is there. It seems like you trust it. 
I mean, no surprise, but he's more than willing to let it fly from three if he's got an opening. So I'd say that is encouraging going forward. And just overall, it seems like he's still got that feel for the game when he's in the pick and roll, when he's operating in a dribble handoff. It just seems like he's got that same savvy, uh, that same feel for the game. Obviously, some things around the rim are off, like his rhythm and whatnot. The turnovers have been there, four turnovers against the Clippers. Shot selection at times, I think, has left a little bit to be desired, but, I mean, that's what you take with Isaiah Thomas. Overall, I'd say it's been a quality three games from him. Yeah, I mean, maybe he got a little shot happy in this last one against the Clippers, but like you said, it's Isaiah Thomas. You just got to live with it sometimes, and yeah, man, he, he's been solid. He's, he's been better than I thought he'd looked, and it's been really fun. Let's hit the Total Beverage Fan Hotline for a few questions here. Uh, before we get out, the first one I want to get to is about Wancho and what we're seeing from him. If you do have a question for the show, 1-800-BSN-8394, 1-800-BSN-8394. Let's go there right now. Hey, Harrison and uh, Christian. Love your pod. Keep up the great work. I wanted to um, get your thoughts on uh, Wancho. And um, I've got my own thoughts. I, I'm a huge fan. I think a lot of people are Juancho Hernan Gomez fans. And um, it just blows me away at how much he's disappeared from where he was playing, the level he was playing at a couple months ago. I, I can't remember a player that has dropped off in performance quite that drastically. And I know he's a little beat up, but I guess my... Um, feeling from watching on TV is that this is much more related to confidence than it is to any physical issues. And I, um, I've seen this as a basketball coach myself with kids where they kind of become invisible on the court when their, their confidence is not there. And it really kind of trickles down to the, to their, their whole game defensively and offensively. And I, I'm just curious what your thoughts are. Um, I'd love to see him get his get his mojo back and um, and start contributing in a way that I I know he can because I think he could really help the team out with what he brings. And uh, again, thank you guys very much. And um, I will take my answer off the line, so to speak. Thanks. All right. Thanks for the call, Wancho. What do you think is going on with him? Because kind of as I teased a the beginning of the show he's been pretty invisible here as of late well he's right there there are a few players on this roster easier to root for than Wancho um, nothing is more fun than a Wancho explosion as we called it earlier this year man it's tough to say um, I mean we know that he's been dealing with kind of a core issue um, you know I, I'm wondering how much of that is that's limiting him um, I also wonder just about the minutes count but you know, I'm starting to think that that's less and less of a factor because the minutes haven't been high for a while now. Like, these, have, it's been a very manageable minutes load. You know, it's not like he's playing 25, 30 minutes a night anymore like he was at the beginning of the season. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe a, the, the core thing is affecting him a little bit. Um, maybe it is just a loss of confidence, but he's right that there are just way too many nights right now where Wancho's in there for like a six minute stint and doesn't record a single stat. Yeah. I think the injury thing's bothering him a lot. 
And look, it's tough to get in a rhythm when you know you're not playing consistently. I would think it'd be especially tough for a shooter to stay in a rhythm and uh, to stay confident too uh, when he's just not getting a lot of opportunities too. So I'd say it's a combination of things. But man, it really would be nice to get him in a groove again. And Denver's kind of been divvying up that backup power forward position between Wancho and Torrey Craig. I would assume most of those minutes will go to Torrey Craig, especially against the Thunder here on Tuesday. But it would be nice to get him back in the groove because you can never have too many shooters for a playoff series. Let's hit one more question before we get out of here. Let's go back to Total Beverage Fan Hotline right now. Hi, guys. This is AO from Denver. Uh, lifetime Nuggets fan, golf alumni, Harrison. So my question was, do you guys think that the Nuggets will start to rest players and phase them out as the playoffs are approaching? Uh, I noticed during the Clippers game, a lot of the starters were on the bench towards the end when we had the game locked away. Is it a good idea to start resting these players, or is that going to mess with the mojo? Uh, love you guys' podcast. Thanks for all you do, and uh, have a good one. Thanks. Thanks for the call. Resting players? Michael Malone? What do you think? Oof. I mean, I wouldn't rest anybody until they got the two seed locked up. Mm-hmm. Like That's what I would be gunning for in, until the last day of the season, because if you get that two seed, um, you know, then you can hopefully avoid the Warriors if you advance out of the first round until the conference finals. I think they got to be gunning for the two seed, doing everything they can to get it. I agree. I agree. I can't see them really resting players until they have a seed locked up and the seed they want locked up. And then you could probably see, yeah, we'll we'll rest Paul Millsap here. We'll rest a couple guys here and there. Um, But until then, I I don't really see it either. Thanks for the questions, guys. If you do have questions for the show, 1-800-BSN-8394. 1-800-BSN-8394. Hey, if you're holding out on a BSN Denver subscription, make sure to hit bsndenver.com backslash subscribe. Type in the promo code Nuggets. Get a one-year subscription for only $29.99. Comes out to $2.50 a month. I think that's all we got for today's show. We've got a great matchup on tap for Tuesday at Pepsi Center against the Thunder. Should be a great game. Can't wait for it. And with that, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out elixinol.com.